you guys love Jesus. I knew you did, but that took me by surprise. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to take the coat off. It's warm in here, huh? 72 degrees. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate that. It's not hot, not cold. Yes, ma'am. I do that. Instead of say cheese, say Jesus. That's right. Mike? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Mike. That is some good stuff. You guys are some good people. Amen. I love going to church with you guys. Thank you. I don't know who said that, but you're my favorite. Students, you guys are out of here. Have fun. Whoever you are, you just became my favorite. Hallelujah. Was that Cindy? Yeah. Hi, Cindy. Thank you. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, we have been teaching for the last two weeks. We started a series in the book of Nehemiah. It's called More Than Just a Wall um, because really, I'll talk about this in a minute, but the book of Nehemiah is about more than just a wall. People read the book and they think, well, that's Nehemiah's call was to build a wall. And, and I'm going to... I'm going to jump into the middle of my sermon right here and just tell you that's not what the book is about. The book is about building people. Building people, amen. And that's what God is in the business of doing, building people. And, and I love this story. I love this, this study of Nehemiah. I, I so much identify with Nehemiah, and the anointing of Nehemiah is something that rests on my life. And so as we preach through this, I want you to keep that in mind, that, that your pastor is anointed the same way that Nehemiah was. And so when you see me doing things and you see me reacting to things or you see me moving in a direction, it's because that's what God has called me to do, amen? And that's how God has wired me to think and wired me to behave is because that's what he wants out of my life. And so I'm not just a Nehemiah, so I won't do everything that Nehemiah does, but the, that anointing is part of my life, amen? So I'm excited about the study. We're going to be in it for at least 16 weeks. Right now it's mapped out six weeks, and so far we're on course. But don't you know that you can give the Lord liberty? Amen. I mean, if we went any longer, if the Holy Spirit would have been moving any longer, we would not be preaching today. We would just be falling out in the Spirit for a little while. Amen? Sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. But we are in Nehemiah. We're in chapter 2. We're going to finish up chapter 2 today. And this, this sermon is entitled, Overcoming All Odds. Anybody facing any obstacles in their life? If you're not facing an obstacle now, you're getting ready to or you're just getting out of one. Amen, huh, Dwayne? Can I get a witness? That's for you, Teresa. <laughs> I told her the other day, I said, I don't really like saying that. It's so old, old school Pentecostal. And she goes, I love it. So now I'm saying it all the time. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I ran across this the other week, and I want to share it the other day when I was studying, and I want to share it with you. I don't know who the author is, so I can't get credit to where credit is due, but I know that probably came from the Holy Spirit. And you'll see what I'm saying here, and I believe it'll stir our hearts a little bit this morning. It says, I am a soldier in the army of my God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Holy Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the Word are my weapons of warfare. I have been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I am a volunteer in this army and I am enlisted for eternity. I will either retire in this army at the rapture or die in this army, but I will not get out, sell out, be talked out, or pushed out. I am a faithful, reliable, capable, and dependable soldier. 
If my God needs me, I am there. If he needs me in the Sunday school to teach children, work with the youth, help adults, or just sit and listen, I'll be there. He can use me because I am there. I am a soldier. I'm not a baby. I do not need to be pampered, petted, primmed up, pumped up, picked up, or pepped up. I am a soldier. No one has to call me, remind me, write me, visit me, entice me, or lure me. I am a soldier. I am not a wimp. I am standing tall, saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. No one has to send me flowers, gifts, food, cards, candy, or give me handouts. I don't need to be coddled, cradled, cared for, or catered to. I am committed. I cannot have my feelings hurt bad enough to turn me around. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. If I end up with nothing, I still come out ahead. I will win. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I am more than a conqueror. I will always triumph. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Devils cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Weather cannot weary me. Sickness cannot stop me. Battles, battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. I am a soldier. Even, to de even death cannot destroy me. For when my commander calls me from this battlefield, he will promote me to captain and then allow me to rule with him. I am a soldier in the army and I'm marching, claiming victory. I will not give up. I will not turn around. I am a soldier marching, heaven bound. Come on, somebody. Let's give him praise. I so much wish I would have wrote that. But I'm sure glad I read it to you. Amen. That was awesome. I want to find out who the author of that is and just send him a note saying, you just inspired me. That's, that's who we are, you know. And uh, I'm not going to get off on a tangent on that. I just wanted to share that with you. But, you know, it's not always easy being a soldier for Christ, is it? It's not. Whoever said that being a Christian is easy has never walked in our shoes. You want to know what easy is? Getting high, smoking dope, drinking, womanizing, that's easy. Giving in to temptation, giving in to sin, that is easy. Saying no to temptation, saying no to sin, saying no to the things of the world, it's the hardest thing we've ever done. Amen. I don't know, if you think Christians are wimps, if you're new here, come on, I dare you, try it. I dare you to try it. Walk a mile in our shoes. Come on, somebody, amen. So we're in our text this morning, and we're going to pick up in verse 10 in a minute, and, and Nehemiah has finally come face to face with the Simon that God has called him to. I kind of feel like that this morning. I kind of feel like Pastor Kerry and I have been going through these seasons of preparation for such a time as this. It's time for Nehemiah to move from vision to vocation, from, de from dreaming to doing. Amen? Sometimes you just got to stop saying, okay, let's do it, let's do it. And God says, no, it's time. It's time to do it. The past two weeks we've been talking about the vision and the burden that God has placed in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the walls that were destroyed back in Jerusalem. You remember? We've been talking about that. If you don't get the sermons, if you didn't get them, you can get them on Facebook. Like our Facebook page. If you're not a Facebook person, just go build a Facebook page just so you can like Grapevine Fellowship. Amen. If there's no other reason, that's the best reason I can think of. I don't really care for Facebook too much anyway. Uh, I'm just there because I want to I stalk you. I mean, I want to I love on you. No. 
But he went to the king last week. We saw he went to the king with his burden, and God used a pagan king to help him. And remember, I'm not gonna, it's not in your notes today, and we're not even going to be on the PowerPoint because I gave it to you the last two weeks. But if you haven't been here for some reason, Proverbs 21.1, basically it tells us, nope, see, it's not there. Proverbs 21.1 tells us that, um, that God moves the hearts of kings. See, God is in, in control of all that stuff. I don't know who your boss is, but God is in control of his heart. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 13.22 tells us that the wealth of the sinners or the wealth of wicked is laid up for the righteous. I was asked one time years ago, if someone came in and gave you the winnings from a lottery ticket, would you accept it? And I said, yes, I would. And they left my church. They didn't want to come back anymore because I would accept winning monies from a lottery ticket. This was in California. We didn't have gambling there, you know what I'm saying? And I thought to myself, I said, wow, really? You obviously haven't read the Word of God. And I want to tell you today, if somebody walked in here from one of these hotels, one of these moguls or whatever, and walked in and dropped a million-dollar bill, if there's such thing, on my desk, guess what? I would accept it. I would say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? I would take it in a heartbeat, and I would build the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Because the wealth of sinners is laid up for the righteous, and that's what I know. Now, if God told me don't take it, I wouldn't take it. Matter of fact, there was times at the rescue mission when, when people would want to give generously that I felt like I was their pastor in stewardship, and I would have to teach them how to give appropriately. Some people just want to throw things at you, and sometimes it's because they want to buy your affection, not sexually, but they, 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 want, to, they want to have favor with you. They want to, they want to have a, a place of a lead volunteer or something like that. You know what I'm saying? They, they just want to buy a place in the seat, and sometimes God says, no, we're not doing it that way. Amen? Uh, it's not in my notes. That's free. Take that one. That's for somebody. The king gave Nehemiah a leave of absence from his job to go and rebuild the walls. And he also made sure that he had everything, that he, all the provisions Nehemiah needed. And then, remember last week, he gave him a bonus, right? He sent him with captains and horsemen. There was a season in our life when we first left our very first church, our, our church plant. We were there five years, and God said, pack up and move and go to Colton, of all places, Colton, California. And we moved to Colton, and, and uh, I ended up jobless. I had two or three jobs lined up when we left Santa Paula, 10 miles from the coast, beautiful climate, citrus capital of the world, and God told me to leave. I thought he was joking. And we're in, we're in Colton, California, and I, I'm, and I went to a lady, and I, and I got a, an interview. Or a, Anyway, she said, she sent me on a 10-day assignment to this home builder, Century Vintage Homes. And I thought, well... $10 an hour for, it was a 10-day assignment, is better than what I'm making now. You know what I'm saying. So I walked in the building, and the HR person came right up to me, and she says, I know you're a Christian. I know you're a pastor. Okay. The person that I interviewed with was a placement agency, and she was, a, first thing we did was prayed in the spirit together. So you know you got favor when that starts happening. Amen. So I walk into this building, and I start working, and, and people started taking notice of me because I just was a hard worker. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue what I was doing. And then, next thing I know, this, this Mormon woman, she had an empty spot in her, in, her, in her department, and so she said, I want him. I want him to work for me. He looks like he has good worth ethic and, and those kind of things. So, okay. So within, let me, because I wrote it down, because I, I don't always remember. Within, so 10-day assignment, $10 an hour. Within three months, I was making $45,000 a year, and I was on full time. Within a year, I was making $65,000 a year and buying one of their homes 
That $50,000 under the going market. <laughs> That's favor. John Pavlak is the owner of that business. It's the largest private builder uh, in, in, in the states. Uh, there's big builders, KB Homes and, and all these others. But he was the largest, smallest. And he's weathered all these storms because he's shrewd. He's just, that's how I lost my job. The economy tanked, and he said, you're out of here, okay? That's how that works. But God used this man to bless us, to move us to Victorville, which is one step closer to coming here, amen? So God, God knows what he's doing, and I don't know who you're working under. And after that, as a rescue mission director, he started sending donations to the rescue mission every once in a while. He's actually a builder up here. I came up to Las Vegas two or three times scouting some, some land that he was doing. Uh, that he want, had some interest in just before the economy crashed. So I don't know if he ever actually picked it up. I was out of there before all that happened. But anyway, it's just amazing to me when I look back on how God has orchestrated my life and used, used people in my life. And I, a home builder, really? They, they trained me. They sent me to Microsoft Office School, paid for all this, paid me all this money. Big old bonuses started coming in, huh, baby? Christmas time is like, woo, where you want to spend that at, honey, buddy? <laughs> and the kids are all right here. You know, <laughs> and we did. So God is amazing to me. And last week we ended up talking about Nehemiah, how he gave God all the credit. You remember in verse 8 he said, The king granted these requests because of the gracious hand of God that was upon me. Nehemiah knew that he had a difficult job ahead of him, but he also knew that he could overcome all the odds because the gracious hand of God was upon him. Amen. We're going to read... 10 verses here, 11 verses, 10 through 20. We're going to finish up Nehemiah chapter 2 right now. And I want to share some things that are in my heart. So the Bible says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man came to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Stop there for a second. The trip from Persia to Jerusalem is like 800 to 1,000 miles. It's a long trip on a donkey. Come on, somebody. It's a long trip in a car. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says that he rested for three days. I think that's pretty amazing. Nehemiah is burdened. He's fired up. He's ready. God has released him. The king has blessed him. And he's made this journey, and then he says, you know, I'm going to take a little nap for three days. And in verse 12, it says, Then he arose in the night, and I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate and the serpent well and, and the refuge gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and there viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God that was, which had been good upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, 
We, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Now, I'm not going to talk about verse 20 too much. I am the first part, but that last part, I, I feel like I really need to say this here. There, there is an enemy that is after your soul, and you need to remind him, like we just did a few minutes ago, that, that he has no heritage, no right, or no memorial in your life. Amen? When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the altars of your heart, the things that you used to idolize above Jesus, they came crashing down. Now, if you're resurrecting some of those things, you need to start tearing those things back down. Amen? If you're putting anything before God, you need to tear those things down because God has to be numero uno for my Spanish friends. Amen? You've got to be, he's got to be number one in your life and that he has no right, no heritage, no memorial in your life. Come on, somebody. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to, to preach the gospel, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have called me out of darkness into the marvelous life, that you had anointed my lips to preach the word of God. And I pray that, that I would do right by your Holy Spirit today, that, that I would just be a vessel that would be used to speak the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there's so much in this portion of scripture. I could really probably preach in Nehemiah for a year and still not do it justice. There is so much in here. We will, over the years, come back to it, no doubtedly, and talk about more things. But I want to focus today about, about what happens when, when we begin to embrace God's plan and how to overcome the obstacles that, listen to me, will come. It's not if or maybe. Obstacles will come when you start serving the Lord. That's why being a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever done. When I was out there doing my thing, the enemy left me alone, amen? Had me right where he wanted me. Now that I'm doing God's thing, the enemy's like a little bit ticked off at me. And, and then not only that, is he losing me, he's losing those that God is bringing into our lives to help release them from that bondage, amen? He's madder than the dickens at us, amen? He's one mad puppy. So I want to show you today how we're going to overcome obstacles in our life. The first thing you'll see is there's always going to be resistance. There's always going to be resistance. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, it said, When Sanballat and Tobiah, I'm going to skip the other stuff, the officials heard of it, they were disturbed, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Can I just say here that any time you seek to, to, to make a difference in a plight or a destruction or a, or a, a, a down, a, a torment of a people, Whenever you seek to save those who are lost, the enemy, the enemy is going to be mad, and he's going to be a little bit disturbed, as the Scripture says here. And he's going to take notice. And I already said this. Most people think the book of Nehemiah is about building walls. It's about building people, and it's about repairing lives and restoration, amen? And that's what I'm about, and that's what Grapevine Fellowship is about, about repairing people and restoring lives. Listen, I don't want to build a building so that people can drive by and say, well, they got a cool building. No, I want to build a cool building so people can drive by and say, they must serve an awesome God. Amen. That's what it's about. I don't care a lick about the cool building, amen. I, ca I care about the souls that God has commissioned and commanded to be a part of Grapevine Fellowship when that place is finished, amen, and up until then. Come on, somebody. Amen. It's going to take a whole lot more souls in this building before that one gets released. Come on, somebody. I'm going to start preaching in this place in a minute. Verse 19 said this, but when Samballot, the, the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite officials, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? Everybody ever, ever been ridiculed? Never, huh? No. <laughs> Almost every day. 
If you're living for Jesus, you'll probably be ridiculed almost every day. You'll be wearing your T-shirt. People will say, look at that joker. You hear him under, the, under, the, under their voice, you know. You got your bumper sticker on. People are pointing you out. You got your license plate says God's favorite. Oh, wait, no, I'm the only one with that, right? <laughs> people are always asking, what does that mean, God's favorite? Some like it and some look at me like, I don't know what they're looking at me like. So these are the so-called leaders and officials, and they immediately began to throw up resistance. Do you know that there has been resistance to God's plan since the fall of man, since the garden? Resistance to God's plan will always come. It's part of the package, people. If you learn to expect it and anticipate it, it's not quite so shocking. I wasn't shocked when I woke up in the middle of the night fighting spiritual warfare. And I knew it was coming because it was so good during my prayer time yesterday that I thought, oh, man, the enemy is not going to sit by and let anything happen. Here it comes. Hold on to the seat of your pants. Sambala was the governor of Samaria. Nehemiah would have had to go through his territory and show credentials in order for the king's letters. He would have had to show those in order to get through. Tobiah, he was probably the, govern, the governor of Ammon, and he was definitely in communication with Sanballat. And Geshem was an Arab, and he controlled the trade route around Jerusalem. So what I see here is a power play. These are guys who like things the way they were. Come on, somebody. But well, why are you messing with our worship? Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, that's not the story. That's not what they said. Why are you messing with our city? Why are, you, why are you coming in here to try to read? Everything's okay the way it is. It's all cool. It's all hunky-dory, right? This isn't in there. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to make you work a little bit. I don't do that enough. I know. But i got so much in me I want to share with you. Chapter 6, verse 12. I purposely didn't give this to Stu because I wanted you to turn in your Bible today or your electric, electronic device or your neighbor's Bible. <laughs> Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this dark age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Listen, here's a power play going on. I got there too fast. Well, highlight it and underline it and read it later now. I can't wait all day for you. That's my fault. I'll make you turn there enough, right? We've got to start exercising that. It's already underlined. Good. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood may raise up against you. Three men raised up against uh, Nehemiah here. Nehemiah knew. This, this, is, this is a spiritual thing. These men, they don't like change, right? Can I tell you that I have felt a little bit of that resistance since we have come here? A little bit. This, this church has actually been more abrasive to the change that I felt like was going to be needed when God spoke to me to come here before I even got here. I'm very impressed with how, how this church has released themselves to the change that has come. But I have felt a little bit of resistance, and there's been some that have left, and, and some that are still bickering and complaining a little bit, and there's others that aren't sure what they're going to do. They're kind of like, what, writing this thing out. I don't know if I'm going to go, if I'm coming or staying. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that, that if you've stuck it out, and you're beginning to get a hold of vision, and God is beginning to light a fire under you. Come on, somebody. Can I say grace, grace right now? God is lighting a fire under this church, and it's a good thing. And the enemy is not happy about it. That's why there's a little bit of resistance. That's why we got Miss Jackie who's sick, and we got people traveling, and we got all kinds of things going on. That's called resistance. Food poisoning, my hiney. That's what Miss Jackie has, food poisoning. 
It's devil poisoning. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' name, we release Miss Jackie right now. Amen. You don't get three food poisoning for three days. 24 hours. When it's longer than that, it's the devil poisoning. Amen? Mr. Mike's not here to say that. I'll say that next service. Here, you want to hear my definition of a Christian? I'm going to keep you probably a couple minutes longer than normal, but we had communion today. Just a couple minutes, I promise. The rest is up to the Holy Spirit. Here's my definition of a Christian. It's someone who is completely fearless, continually cheerful, and constantly in trouble. <laughs> Come on, Don. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Debbie, if you're listening to this tape, Don has now got liberty right there to be in trouble. Right? It's the truth, though. We're completely fearless, continually cheerful. That's a joy that son's being always in trouble. That's my wife. If I'm not in trouble, I'm looking for trouble, huh, babe? If something's wrong, probably hiding something if she doesn't see it. In, uh. I'm not sneaky. I'm just, I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a troublemaker. Capital T, rubble. Come on, somebody. You see, we're commanded to go into all the world and make disciples. And when you do that, you're going to encounter resistance. You're going to. It's part of the package. Get, get familiar with the package, amen? Get, get familiar with the plan. It's a good plan. Jeremiah 29, 11. I go there almost every week. Just If it's not highlighted, write it on your forehead. Tap to it. No, I'm kidding. Some of you will. That's all right. Uh, put it on your mirrors. Wherever you, put it on the refrigerator, wherever you spend the most time. You know what I'm saying? His plans are good. Another obstacle that we're going to face, and I already gave it around, is there's rubble. There's always going to be rubble. I, I don't know if you got this, Pastor Stu, in the notes, but I, I want to read this to you in verse, uh, in verse 14 out of the New... Uh, no, he's got New King James. That's okay. I didn't, I didn't highlight that. My fault. Uh, the, the New Living Translation, only because it, 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 it goes to where I want to talk. So It says, Then I went to the fountain gate and the king's pools, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. Nehemiah ran into rubble. As he was looking over his job site, as he was surveying the land, the Bible says that he found so much rubble that his donkey couldn't even pass through. That's a lot of rubble, man. That's a lot of stuff in your way. And we all have to deal with rubble in our lives. We all have to deal with stuff, with obstacles, with things that get in our way. It's just it's part of the package. I keep telling you that. Things will get in the way. We'll, there will be roadblocks, and there will be setbacks. Don't be surprised when we do, when we start to launch a building program. You've already experienced it, those that have been coming to Grapevine. You have seen setbacks, amen? amen. But here's what I know. I believe God wants to finish what he started. Amen. And we will still see setbacks. We will still see resistance. The enemy's not going to say, well, let's let him build it this time. Come on, somebody. He's not. He, know, he knows what's going to happen. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. I got to preach. You know, that would have been a perfect time. That was good, though. I sounded all right. No, I'm kidding. I'm like, Stu, turn up my reverb really loud during that part. Echo, it helps you, you know. It would have been a perfect time for Nehemiah just to throw up his hands and say, I, I, look at this. Look at this mess. They didn't tell me it was this bad when they sent word that the walls were torn down. They at least could have picked up some of the stuff. 
And, and I've seen so many Christians in my life who have come, again, come into this place in their Christian walk, and, 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 and it looks insurmountable. It looks like it's impassable. And I've seen so many walk away from the Lord, and it's so heartbreaking. Because something that, one of the gifts that God has given me is the gift of discernment. And I can look at somebody, and I can, a, a lot of times, even initially, see the call of God on a person's life. And to see them come up against that wall, and there's really not too much an individual can do. I can preach to them, I can share, I can share scripture, but it, it comes to a personal choice. And Nehemiah was at this place where the rubble was just insurmountable. And I can picture this. I, I'm thinking he probably did his research, and, and 90 some years ago, Zerubbabel built a temple. And he did it by starting out yelling and shouting at the capstone, Grace, Grace. You remember? And I can imagine Zerubbabel is in, or I mean, Nehemiah is in this place, and he's heard this story, and he's probably looking at that pile, and he's saying, grace, grace. But it didn't become a smooth plane. You see, sometimes there's obstacles that God has put. Let's look at here. Let me show you here. Let me show you something here. Let me teach you something. Verse 15. Nehemiah says, so I went up in the night by the valley, and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate. So I turned so I, uh, and so returned. Something got in the way of where Nehemiah needed and wanted to be. And grace, grace, and shouting to the mountain did not quite cut it. And he had come up against this rubble and this, and this T-rubble, this path of, of destruction in his way. And the Bible says that he did not quit. He might, he, I don't know, the scripture doesn't say, I just got to assume, can I do that for a minute? Can I just kind of ad-lib a little bit? I got to assume that he did his homework. We saw that last week. He went before the king prepared. I think he probably knew about his ancestors, Ezra and, and Zerubbabel, and all those that had been there. Ezra, Ezra was just there a few years before him. And I, I know that he had heard about Zerubbabel and how that building got built, and he's probably thinking, man, if I could just speak to this mountain, then I don't have to deal with it later, you know what I'm saying? And the Bible says that he just went around another way. And can I tell you something? I feel like the Lord was sharing with me this week that there's several of you here that you've been up against this mountain, this obstacle in your life, and, and you have been prophesying to the mountain in Matthew, speak to the mountain, it will be moved as far as the cast into the sea. And I know I chopped that scripture up, but you know what I'm saying. And God is saying to you today, look, that mountain's staying. I put that mountain in your way, and I'm not going to move it because you're going the wrong direction. I need you to turn and go another way. I want to put you on a different path. You see, when I left, when I left Santa Paula, I thought I had a job. I, we had this plan. We're going to go to work for the, for the denomination headquarters. We're going to be all that in a bag of chips. Big wig, Steve. Big wig. Oh, yeah. And Pastor Carrie went to work for them, and she was working like two hours a month or something like that. No, a little bit more than that. Hey, she's making a little bit of money, and I'm jobless, and I'm like, oh, my God. But you know what? It was God moving us. Yes. See, if he would have showed me that I was going to be jobless and working for a home builder, I'd have stayed in Santa Paula. I might still be in Santa Paula shouting at that mountain. That ministry was not working for me anymore because God said, you're done here, Ron. It's time to move on, to go another way. I don't know why he had to send me to the desert, but he did. <laughs> so here I is. And I'm grateful for it. 
When, I, when it's 120, I may be singing a different tune there, Steve. I might, we just might have church in my, in my house, and I'll be in the pool preaching to you. All right. We'll just baptisms while we're in there. It'll be fun. Finally, I, I, I want to share with you, to overcome God's obstacle and, and, and embrace the plan of God, to overcome the odds, there's got to be a reliance. There must be a reliance on God. We've got to rely on Him. We can't depend on ourselves. Some of you are so educated and, and so skilled in your skill set, but, but even you know that you can't depend on that all the time. Sometimes he, even Don says, God gave me this idea. And he's skilled. He's been doing this stuff forever. And I love that. It's like, I've been doing stuff forever, and all of a sudden, God shows me something new. And it helps me in the place that I'm at. And so verse 20, I'm going to read it to you here. So I answered them, and I said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. We're going to rise up, and we're going to build this thing for the kingdom of heaven. Did you notice that God said, that Nehemiah said, The God of heaven will help us not do everything for us? He's not going to do it for you. He'll do things for you, but there's some things that he says, you've got to do this. We talked about that last week. I don't want to harp there too long. Nehemiah said we can depend on God to help us, but that wasn't until after Nehemiah began doing the work that God wanted him to do. Listen, we can depend on God to help us, but we've got to get off our southern hemispheres, right? We've got to get off our laurels and start doing something for Jesus. And just like Nehemiah, that we will experience resistance. There will be. And I don't know where it will come from, but it always comes. And just like Nehemiah, we can't let these things get in our way. So how does all this apply to us? Last week, if, how many were, were not at the vision meeting? Maybe we're out of town. Last week, I, 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 I showed you, we have a monumental task. Do we have that? We don't have the picture. We have, he'll find it. He's, it's on the bulletin, and he's going to show it to you in color. But we have this monumental task ahead of us. What God showed me, and if you haven't heard the sermon, Grace, Grace, I have a few more copies on my desk. I've distributed it. It is on Facebook. We were able to increase the volume level. I Really, if you are a member of Grapevine or an attendee of Grapevine and love the vision and planning, you really need to hear this sermon. It, it is, I put, it, I wrote somebody and I said, it is the most prophetic and most impactful sermon that I've ever preached in my life to, the, to date, amen? And so this is the monumental task. I feel like this is our capstone. I refer to that, Zerubbabel got the capstone, which is the final block in the building project. And he got that capstone and there was no building. That's all he had was the capstone and he had the land. And he started shouting grace, grace to it. And what the Lord showed me several weeks ago was this is our capstone. We're going to put the sign up before the building goes up. Amen? Amen. And so I challenged this church, and we distributed these, these, these faith promise cards. Todd's got them right there. Miss Janelle has some right there as well. And, and we took an, uh, an offering up. Look, at, we have a building fund. That is part of the building. That is something we build anyway. We could take the money out of the building fund and build that, and it would be using your monies appropriately. But what God spoke to me was we need to have some buy-in. We need to, if we believe that that's a capstone, if we believe that that is the, the thing that is going to set everything in motion, then God is challenging us to move ahead and to purchase this thing without getting into the building funds. We need to start putting more money into the building fund, not taking more out. Amen? 
And so I asked everybody, and I challenged you with that. Fla- Go ahead and start passing those out. If you need one, just someone's going to come by and just take one. I asked you, I took, a do- I took a donate. We took up an offering. I hate the word took. Let's stop saying that. We received an offering, and we asked you to take these cl- cards home. And I'm asking you the same thing today. Maybe you came back with your card, and you're ready to make a commitment. We raised almost $1,200 the first week. Amen? Amen. Uh, Another, with the pledges, it's another $3,800. So or if my math's right, that's five grand. Uh, the estimate came in at about twenty dollars to $50,000 to build it. But I know everyone's like, <gasps> that's what I said too. But we can do it in-house and save several thousand dollars on this. I still, and I haven't had a chance to talk to Don yet, but, but I, I really feel like we can do the structural side, but we still need the professionals to build the sign part. I can still see where this could cost us upwards with, with permits and everything to about $10,000, real, realistically. And Don would know better. He's shaking his head, yeah, it probably does make a little more sense. So we were thinking five, but it, we want to do it right. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right, right? And I'm not going to try to build a sign and put electronics in there. We already had a fire once. We don't need another one, amen? <laughs> anyway, we're raising the money. I'm going to start moving forward on this. And so I'm asking this church, this is our task. This is what God has, has, is calling us to. And what I've told this church is by the time we're done with this Nehemiah study, June 28th is the last week currently scheduled that I will be preaching in this study. I believe we will have a, a, a good, solid idea of where we're moving uh, in our building program and what we're going to be doing. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. But this is the capstone. This is the thing that is going to propel us forward. If we have faith in God to do it, you know what? It's also a great thing just to get advertising and to get people to understand that we're still here worshiping right here. Amen. So, uh, so I hope that I hope that you take this seriously. I don't need to just raise money to build a sign. We could do that. I, I really felt compelled of the Lord to do this. I think it's important for us as a family to step out in faith. Uh, Pastor Kerry, I'll just tell you, Pastor Kerry and I gave five hundred dollars last week, and we committed to another five hundred. All right. I'm not doing that to pat me on the back. I'm just telling you that we're buying in as well. Amen. We're, we're putting in 10% of this bad boy ourselves. So we can trust God through you to provide the other 90%. So fill out those cards. If you have to go home and pray about it and talk about it with somebody, uh, we used our tax return some of it last week. That's how we were able to do that. We're trusting God for the other five. It's a faith promise. Listen, I am not going to call you, where's your money? I'm not going to do that. It's your promise between you and God. I would like you to turn it in to me, and I'm not looking at names. It'll be on there. I'm not really looking at that. I'm just trying to get totals so I know kind of where we're at. So if you'll do that, we would appreciate it, and I believe God is going to do some great things in our life. So, so, but maybe you're here this morning, and you just can't rely on God for anything. You don't know how to do that. You don't know what that means to rely on. I like the acronym FROG, fully rely on God. And so you're here today, and you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want, I want to say a prayer as we close this morning, that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you never asked him to be part of your life, and uh, I want to encourage you to do that, because that's what we all did. That was the first step we took, and, and God began to change things. I gave you a part of my testimony, drug addict, drug addict, dope fiend, alcoholic, and God completely and totally changed my life. My, my wife never met that man, and when I talk about my testimony, she just looks at me like a deer caught in the headlights, because I am not that person. 
All of my mannerisms have changed. Everything about me has changed. And not because I've done anything, it's because I gave my life to Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus because you've got some stuff that you need to let go of, show me your hand. Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. I appreciate that. God bless you guys. We're going to say this together as a family, and then I'm going to let you go have a donut. Say, Father, I love you, and I need your son. I confess my sins to you today, and I ask for your forgiveness. I invite Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. He died for me, and I accept that gift today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give him a shout of praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we love you. God bless you. As you go, if you... If you Filled out a faith promise and you want to leave it here, uh, Miss Janelle's right here. She'll collect, she'll collect them or you can bring them up to me or Pastor Carrie.